You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Heating Up the UK a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. Before we come on to today's episode, again, new followers, thank you for joining us. Please subscribe and interact with everything that we do. We've got the uh, YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. Uh, that's where we do our game day from the UK live pre-game streaming show, amongst other things as well. But please hop over there, find us, subscribe to us. It's a lot of fun, the stuff we do there. Also, check out the website, miamiheatuk.com. Um, all, we, we do need to do a bit of an update on that. It is going to take a massive overhaul, but it is going to be the source of everything we do. There's lots of articles coming from lots of contributors that are going to be working hard over the summer. There's the podcast episodes are going to be going on there. All our fun and games, fantasy league stuff, all sorts is going to go on there. So please go and bookmark MiamiHeatUK.com. Also get onto Twitter and have a look at at VicePhits. That's where we do our merch. We've got about a dozen heat slash vice infused tees and hoodies over there please help support us by by um buying that stuff because all the proceedings just go back in to supporting this account and finally what you're listening to heating up the uk is available across all podcast platforms spotify apple Podcasts, google podcast pod Podbean, etc so if you like the show please hop over there and just uh, give us a little five star rating again it will help us out a lot thank you so much for your support on to today's episode and we have got the boy wonder from Five Reasons Sports Network. He will have Eric Spolster pointing at him for trying to expose tactical schemes. He is, of course, Brady Hulk. Brady, how are you, sir? Doing good. Thank you for having me on. Uh, if, I, if I knew it and he's pointing at me, he would be pointing at Doc Rivers too, because obviously that coaching staff knew as well. So uh, I just have to put that up. It's brilliant. I mean, what a surreal week, I suppose, it's been because it just took off. It was incredible. I mean, obviously, we watch a lot of Spo, and it was great just watching it because what you were saying, you could tell, first of all, it was like head in hands, going, he's, he's saying too much, he's saying too much, and then the point <laughs> is now sort of gone viral, hasn't it? I mean, what, what's this week been like for you? I bet it's been a bit surreal. Yeah, every time it... That, that picture just is used for so many different topics. It's just like, I'll just be scrolling and it's just, it'll be used for a, a political statement or something. I'm like, where did this come from? But uh, no, it's been funny. I don't, it was just funny when it happened because the narrative questions that always go on in there are basically the usual. And I was just kind of touching on something that I saw. Uh, so it is funny how it took off and I'll continue using that photo as well. Absolutely. Yes, it's going to be used into the abyss, that one for sure. Brilliant moment. Uh, great stuff. Uh, Brady, let's talk about Miami Heat basketball because we are the Eastern Conference finalists along with the Boston Celtics. Again, a repeat, of course, of the 2020 playoff Eastern Conference finals in the bubble. We'll get on to the, uh, whether this sort of dispels the whole fluke bubble, bubble fluke season thing because it sort of puts a stop to that. But before I do, um, what were your thoughts on this? Did you see that this was the way going down? We obviously back our guys. We've probably had the easier route to the finals, getting through the Hawks and the Sixers. Did you see at the beginning of all of this with the Nets, the Bucks and the Celtics all on that side of the bracket? Did you think it was going to be Boston or did you see it going another way? If I got to be honest, I thought it would be Milwaukee. Like I've kind of been eyeing them and I, I guess 
it's hard to say with the Middleton news. Like, I guess nobody could have really predicted that happening anyway. Maybe the series goes in a different direction. But this Boston team has been pretty elite, especially down the stretch of the season. It's pretty crazy to see where they were at the beginning of the season where people were writing them off, uh, talking about, you know, the coaching in general, talking about if Brown and Tatum could play together. Uh, so it is interesting to see the way this kind of went. I have never been on the Brooklyn Nets kind of wave at all. So, like, when people were worried about them getting in a Miami matchup, it never really was a fear at all. Uh, but it is clear that getting the one seed, uh, look where it got them. Like, it got them in a perfect bracket. That isn't to say that they're not as good of a team as another team because they got easier teams. No, they earned the one seed. Like, they got the one seed because they won games in the regular season. They got a very good matchup with the Atlanta Hawks. You'd rather see Philly than a Milwaukee, obviously. And now they have Boston. And now the true challenge is here. So uh, I don't think it's really a surprise. It's the one in the two seed. But I will say I personally was kind of eyeing Milwaukee, I guess, throughout this whole entire run. I'm with you. I think that a lot of people will agree with that as well. I think that at full health, the Bucks sort of look like the most well-equipped maybe to not only get to the finals, but to probably come out the East. I think that, you know, they've got the best player on the planet, but, you know, we've, we've, I think defensively, offensively, I think, as I said, they're, they're the most well-rounded. I think people will follow that logic. Obviously, Chris Middleton being out for that series hurt them. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. I think that the one and two seed uh, have got there in the end. Um, the Boston Celtics have done an incredible job uh, since All-Star break, especially. Um, but yeah, it's amazing really to see as like, from where they came, as, as you just said there, the, the fact that they were talking about, can these two young budding stars play together to now being, you know, defensively brutal, just like that they've put it all together. And people will probably say that getting through the nets, uh, who were when, before the playoff started, who were the bookies favorites to win it all to get through the nets in a sweep and then come through Boston in seven. Some people may even say some neutrals may even say that. The Heat now would arguably on paper be the easiest series. Now, we won't have that. We, we, we know better than that. But um, they will go into this series as the favourite. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I, I would believe you. If you even look at these national shows today, it's basically Boston playing Boston. I know a lot of Heat fans always like to say that. But uh, they're giving Boston all the credit because they deserve a lot of credit. Like, they've got one big series. They just did what they did. But a lot of this is... If Boston, if this Boston-Milwaukee series ended and let's say game seven was played when uh, I think Miami's last game was maybe Thursday, if I'm getting that wrong. If the Heat-Philly, if they closed it out yesterday like Boston did, they would be talking about Miami. It's, it's just recency bias. It's what's in the top of your head. It's just watching what Jason Tatum's doing on a regular basis against Giannis. It's watching this, this Celtics defense. Even though the Heat defense just did this basically a couple days ago, they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about what they just saw. So I think that's a lot of it. But I don't think it's crazy to say that they're favorites. I personally, I'm sure we'll get into picks, but I'm personally not on that type of uh, state right now. Like, I don't think it's an overwhelming thing. And if you say Boston and seven, I can understand because I think this is going seven. Like, I think this is a series that's going to be built for uh, a long term. Like, these are just two teams just that are going to be throwing counter punches through the entire series, coaching, defense, everything along those lines. So. Uh, it is going to be an intriguing series. You mentioned uh, this is a remake and you mentioned the bubble fluke stuff, but now these two teams are totally different teams than what they were. So it's, uh, it's going to come down to, I guess, their stars, but it's also going to be looking at these role players who are totally different than, I guess, a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was exactly what I was about to say with the with the role players and coming on to dispelling that myth now that that season was was uh, bubble fluke stuff. It, it's completely 
um, as I said, just shuts down that narrative. And both teams are definitely better. I mean, the Heat personnel-wise alone, obviously, we're, we're more equipped with a better team. We've got role players now that are more developed. Um, we go deeper than we did that time round as well. And the Celtics, as I said, they've now got, uh, you know, two stars that are even more evolved. Um, you know, Brown has come along leaps and bounds even since then. Um, and now they've got role players, like you just said, Al Horford, um, Will, uh, Williams, etc. This is... A, a bloodbath of a series in the making and uh, it it definitely does dispel those bubble fluke narratives doesn't it yeah like the fact that uh, i know a lot of people say this as well but if we're going to talk about fluke it is more of last season than 100%. the season before yes it was in a bubble yes there was no fans but the teams were it, it was just basketball being played like there weren't many narratives you could throw out there because it was just straight up basketball being played last year was okay there's no Boston, there's uh, no Miami because they just came off this long bubble run where they were in there uh, for so long. And then they're kind of quick turnaround back into the season. And now it's the Suns, it's the, it's the Bucks, both the Lakers and the Heat were in the finals in the bubble, both got first rounded. Like that's not a coincidence. It's a, I think if we're going to sit here and, and keep pushing a narrative of flukes, uh, that's more likely like it. And the fact that two of three years, it's the same exact Eastern conference finals. That is the exact opposite definition of fluke. Like, if I looked that up in the dictionary, that is the exact opposite of a fluke if it happens multiple times. So I think that that conversation is just kind of totally out the window. Absolutely spot on because, yeah, I mean, this like it just show, goes to show that it's not just about, you know, the starting five and your superstar power. It's everything. It's coaching. It's being well drilled. You know, th 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 there is no reason that there's no it's complete understandable why these two teams are where they are is because they've been, they've, they've been the best. They've been well coached. And like we keep saying, when you, we look at the bucks have just experienced it, this shit is hard to do to keep getting to finals is difficult. And yet it's the same teams that keep doing it. And there's no reason there's as I said to, to have them as well coached as they are, the players that the personnel, the winning mentality, it all comes back to this reason as to why they are there. So uh, yeah, totally hopefully now shuts down those narratives let's get on to uh to, to a bit more about the personnel now and uh, what's going to go down in this series now jimmy butler um i believe i'm right in saying now that Giannis is out is statistically has been the best player in this um in this playoff run in terms of a box score but just ignoring that for a moment um is there a player at the moment that's playing better basketball league wise league wide sorry than jimmy butler Personally, I don't think so. I think the only guy was Giannis at the time that was right there because uh, what they're able to do on the offensive end and, and be able to average 28, 29, while also being a main piece of your defense, like that can't be overlooked. I think the only one st statistically right now would be Luka Doncic. That's kind of uh, right around that same range. But what I'm seeing, even though they've been a good defense, it's not a good defense because of Luka Doncic. Yeah. Jimmy Butler's a main piece of why Miami's been elite defensively. Yes, we're, we're going to talk about Bam. We're going to talk about P.J., but Jimmy's kind of a glue to a lot of that. I think it's hard to overlook that. And I think speaking of kind of the, the recency bias and thinking about what's kind of happened recently, Jason Tatum's getting a lot of love right now and kind of talking about once again, now they're entering another series where Trey Young was supposedly better than Jimmy Butler. Then obviously Joel Embiid better than Jimmy Butler. Maybe then there's going to be some more people that say Jason Tatum better than Jimmy Butler. Maybe we're getting to the point where it's not one-on-one -on -one matchups where you just compare best players. I think we're getting to that point where it doesn't matter if you have Kevin Durant or Giannis Antetokounmpo. A team-oriented basketball team could beat you. Uh, so I'm interested to see what Jimmy Butler can do uh, on, the, on this stage. But I think 
he deserves the, the respect for saying that he's the best player in this playoff series so far, especially considering that Giannis just lost in the second round and he finds himself in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like that stuff, uh, as much as he says and people say they don't care about what other people say, like he deserves his flowers, I guess, at this stage. Well, absolutely. And I think that, you know, we we don't like to say the comment that he made uh, before the playoffs last year with this stupidly locked in thing because he got blamed <laughs> for it, really, because it was a non-event. But this is back to finals, Jimmy, uh, in, the, mm-hmm. in or bubble finals, Jimmy, where we saw literally uh, like the, the best basketball that I have ever seen um, post big three era from a player to, to carry this team like he did. The difference is now is he's got weapons around him, but he looks just incredibly just like like it's like a force the vision that the, the focus is I, I've as I said I've not seen this for from him since that bubble run and uh you know that when you, you can you can maybe come up against your, your, your Giannis's and your Kevin Durant's and uh any other sort of superstar that you care to name across the league but I don't see anybody as as focused and that you would want to take on Anybody else other than Jimmy Butler, I think that he looks like he can come up against anybody and his mentality will will override that. And that's a wonderful thing from a Miami Heat point of view. Um, Jimmy aside, we, uh, we we know that he's going to need help without Carl. We're going to come on to Carl in a little while. But to get past the Boston Celtics, we're going to need big series from both Bam and Tyler. But who do you think is going to be most important? Because you can make an argument here for, for either one of these. Who's really got to, I mean, you know, we need them both to show up, but who's got to be the one here out of those two that's going to have the biggest effect for the Heat to get into the finals? I think it has to be Tyler Hero. I, I think we know what Bam Adebayo uh, provides in the defensive end. Like what he provides, as I said, after the Philly series, it almost overrides whatever happens offensively. Like, that's how good he is defensively. Yes, you need his aggression at this stage, especially in the Eastern Conference Finals. You need an aggressive bam. You kind of want him to be your second-best player. But Tyler Hugh has to be the guy in a lot of ways. Like, they were able to get past Philly because they were the better team and use him as a decoy. I, you can't get past the Boston Celtics using Tyler Hero as a decoy. He needs to be your, essentially your best or second-best scorer most nights like that's kind of what you need from I think there's adjustments that'll be made uh specifically on the other side of things like the way Philly doubled and blitzed him out I'm not so sure that Boston's going to do that throughout like I think there's going to be adjustments made they want to throw him off his game I think there's there's going to be a time where they say okay it it worked they threw Tyler off his game in Philly why don't we try that too but Jimmy's going to be sitting there saying I'll do the same thing I just did against Philly so uh, I think there's gonna be times where they double double Jimmy Butler and I think Tyler's gonna have openings to score uh, I think a lot of people are worried about Tyler heading into the series because he even said at practice yesterday, kind of jokingly, that one of the teams that were expected to play them favors him a little bit more in terms of defensive coverages. That's the Milwaukee Bucks with the constant drop and blocky off the rim. He'd have open middies, kind of pull up on the three. This Celtics team provides different challenges for him, I guess, offensively. The one thing I will say about that is, yes, they switch, and it's not as easy to dissect the drop. But this Boston Celtics team also plays drop. Like, they have two bigs out there. Yes, Robert Williams switches. But if you use Bam as a screener and Al Horford's the one defending, Tyler Hero can get, dissect that. He can get to his mid-range. He can do different things around the rim because this isn't the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, so as much as you look at one or the other, there's still advantages here for Tyler Hero, and he has to take advantage of them, like, you're, to your point. Like, this has to be at least a semi-Tyler Hero series. They're going to need everybody here. But if Hero could step up offensively and just give Jimmy Butler some help, like I feel like that's the theme here. Like you're when we're saying Bam or Tyler, 
it has to be somebody because Jimmy yeah. cannot carry the whole load against a Celtics team that can kind of hurt you in many different directions, as we saw even with a Grant Williams uh, <laughs> who puts up 23s in, in game seven. Yeah, it, it is a good point. I think it is absolutely right that we are going to need that offensive punch because if Tyler's not doing it, you've then got to rely on people. And we know they're capable but because we've seen it, but we've then got to rely on people like Max Struess or, you know, Duncan, who's not had any involvement really recently. But you're going to need somebody uh, to come and do that sort of thing. And if it's not going to be Tyler Hero, you then put in a lot of pressure in an Eastern Conference final to ask for one of the others to come up with 20-plus points. Do you think on that note that it will be the same sort of rotation again? Or do you think that he might go deeper into his bench? You know, we didn't see a lot of Caleb Martin. I know you've just wrote an article just today about him being the X factor. Um, what are your thoughts behind that? What, what are the reasons for explaining, explain to us why you think that Caleb Martin could have a bit of a, more of a say this series than he did against the Sixers? Yeah, I think for one, I know we'll get into Kyle Lowry, but if we're saying at the beginning of the series, he's not going to be playing. Gabe Vincent most likely steps in there. You look at Victor Oladipo, Tyler Hero, and Deadman off the bench, and you're at the point where you say, okay, do we want to shrink to eight because now we're in the Eastern Conference Finals, or do we go to that ninth guy that we feel comfortable going to? And the reason I think they go to that is because I think Caleb Martin's really valuable in this series. I think they need lengthy wings who can defend. Uh, I know, as a lot of people will say, maybe some extra shooting in Duncan Robinson to get them out of the mud offensively at times. I just don't see this being a Duncan Robinson series. I said against Philly, I thought it was a Duncan Robinson series. There was openings there against the drop. They, you, there was people on the court that you could hide him on, like a Matisse Thibel. You can't hide him on anybody on Boston. They're going to hunt you. Jason Tatum's going to get the ball. Jalen Brown's going to get the ball, and they're going to hunt Duncan Robinson. Caleb Martin, they're not going to do that to. They're going to be looking for a screen to get Caleb off of him because he can trail you so well from baseline to baseline and around screens and everything along those lines that uh, I think it provides a little bit of a mixture defensively where they want to mix up coverages, and they don't want to go one-on-one with, let's say, Jimmy and Jalen or – PJ and Tatum and they want to mix it up you allow Jimmy to get off the ball and be the freelancer because he can dip off of a Grant Williams who hopefully doesn't knock down eight threes or whatever but <laughs> that's kind of the thought process there I think I think they're going to use Caleb Martin a ton here uh, at least while Kyle Lowry's out and then maybe there's adjustments there but the other rotation change I think is possible and this is only if Miami has trouble I think early on in the series but it's possibly an all uh, Victor Oladipo starting spot and that's kind of what I'm thinking here uh, if they have trouble, at least with the starting lineup, this is a team defensively that is a lot bigger. They don't have a true point guard. They have Marcus Smart running the one. You could say, okay, Jimmy's guarding Jalen Brown and P.J. Tucker's guarding Tatum. And let's say Gabe Vincent is the one guarding Marcus Smart. They have two bigs down low that you have to hide somebody on. Like, that, that's kind of where you're at here. The What Victor Oladipo does, it's, you can put Victor Oladipo on a Jalen Brown and you shift P.J. and Jimmy down. And that opens a lot of things up defensively. So I think that is a, an adjustment to watch for in the rotation. But this starting lineup, like they haven't lost, I guess, with Gabe Vincent, uh, I think still as a starting as a starting point guard for them in the playoffs. Like they're not going to go away from that out the gate. And one of the things Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler also says a ton is they're not adjusting to a team like that. Like they're playing Miami Heat basketball. They're going to play their own game. So I'd expect things similar, I guess, in game one. But I'd look out for that adjustment, I guess, as it goes on. That's interesting. Yes. And I, I, from just listening to you there, I've sort of already been talked into it. I think that really works. I think I know we've got to see how this goes, but I think that that's that's sort of gives you that. And if we're going to say we're going to take Max Struess out to, to allow that to happen, well, 
we can still expect something from both ends from Oladipo as well. It's not just the fact that he can do something defensively. He can offer you, an, uh, you know, some shooting as well. Maybe not space for as much as what Mats can do. But I like that adjustment. It'll be interesting I will, to see how that works. I, would, I just want to add in, I think Victor Oladipo plugs in for Gabe in that Gabe. sense. That's the kind of the guy that I'm looking at. I think they still need that space here in Max Struess. And the way he's been playing, I think they can't go away from him. And what that also does is that opens up Tyler off the bench. Like, yes, they're, they're kind of working through the Tyler-Depot combo, but gives him a little bit of some more offensive reins and gives him more spacing in the Gabe-Vincent off the bench that's worked all season. But I, I think there's a chance that maybe they match Boston as it goes on in, in terms of no point guard with, with Victor instead of Gabe. Yeah, really, really interesting uh, point on that. And it'd be interesting to see how that works out. With um, uh, Jason Tatum then, I think one of the sort of key questions here, and you know you just recently touched, you just touched on it there a little bit. Who do you think is going to get fundamentally the, the main job of guarding Tatum? Do you think it will be PJ or do you think Jimmy will be on him? I, I think, you know, how, how do you see it going down with, with getting that primary role? Yeah, I think it's PJ Tucker. I yeah. think it has to be. He, he, even in the last matchup they played him, uh, toward the end of the season, PJ was kind of the guy. And I think he's the guy that uh, can be physical with him. Like th there's just times where they need that guy that can be physical with him. Jimmy's more of the uh, quicker, just more containing type of guy. PJ's that more aggressive physical guy that I think they need that on Tatum. And there's going to be times like, I don't think it's hard to look at things one-on-one, -on -one, I guess, in Miami, because they're going to be switching a ton anyway. There's going to be Bam on Tatum at times. There's going to be Jimmy on Tatum at times. Uh, I think there's a chance they go drop again, like they did at the end of the Philly series. So that means more PJ on Tatum. And I think there's an idea of them trying to just making him go through screens and make life difficult for him. But I, that's kind of my expectation, at least for game one, that I think PJ gets that assignment. And uh, he will absolutely embrace it. He will be licking his lips at that. You know that he will be completely up for that fight all day long. That's uh, just part of his personality. We'll see where it gets on. I think just staying out of uh, foul trouble will be important in that sense. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a bloodbath, as we say. Um, a little update, if you can, um, Brady, on Kyle Lowry. I know you're in and around the team. Uh, we haven't heard anything um, official yet, but we're not expecting him at all for game one, at least. Um, what do we do? The, you know, the, the one thing that concerns me a little bit here is you can't really mess around with hamstring injuries. And I know this was a tweak but we saw him come back, look completely out of sorts, and we were a better team with him off the court, uh, which is incredible because I'm one of Kyle Lowry's biggest fans, so to say that is quite incredible. But we were. It was black and white. He was maybe brought back too soon. Do we think that, say, we, we, we go down in game one, do we think that there'll be a priority to try and get him back? Or do you just think, is there a risk here that we don't see him at all? Because I'm just a little bit concerned that hamstring injuries aren't to be messed about with. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with wins or losses here. Like, I think Kyle Lowry wants to push for a return. Jimmy Butler was just saying at practice today uh, that he's close to a return, but Eric Spolster wouldn't give an update. Like, I don't even think it's official that he's out for game one. It's just no. a high-level expectation. Yeah. Uh, but it's just hard for me to see him rush back in any way after what we saw what happened last time. Like, he was pushing through. He had two wide-open layups that he got off a of steal. And he comes back down the floor and he's holding his hamstring. Like you just, you just don't need that at this stage for 37, uh, 37 year old point guard. So, uh, and it's, you mentioned the hamstring being weird. Like he could wake up tomorrow and it's good. And then he could wake up the next day and it's bad again. Like it's one of those things that fluctuate all over the place. It's just so hard to predict. Uh, but in terms of uh, they have the next man up mentality that you're all over, uh, they have enough guys to win. The question is, is the, the organizational, 
standpoint of Kyle Lowry can get them in their sets against the Boston team. That's all over the place. Like one of the things I think Jimmy's going to be used for most in this series is be used as a screener because they can slip switches and it's kind of the, the opening against this Boston defense. That's what they did a ton in the last game. Who got the, Jimmy the ball in every one of those roles? It was Kyle Lowry who just lobs it over the top and Jimmy catches it and finishes. That's kind of the question here. I think they could win without him, but there's going to be a lot of pressure where I think Kyle's in Gabe's year already saying, make that pass. Like if, if Gabe Vincent can make that pass to Jimmy over the top, it changes the whole dynamic, at least for the two games at home to start this series. But I don't see there being any type of rush on Kyle Lowry. They're just going to treat it day by day, even though that's kind of the cliche statement that you always hear from coaching. But I feel like that's what it is with a hamstring. Like it's going to be day by day. Uh, but I think it is promising to hear Jimmy at least say that he's close to returning, or at least Kyle's close to returning isn't the same as the coaching staff saying yeah. close to returning. So <laughs> it's hard to really say. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I think his importance to the team is is incredibly undervalued almost for anybody that's not uh, a Heat fan and watches this team. I think that is, I'm a massive fan of his. And I think that even, even you've seen what what we've seen with him not playing, but being just on the court, just still coaching, still giving his advice to people like Gabe Vincent um, just shows you the competitor and uh, and what team player he is. So we hope he gets back. But in the meantime, a quick word on Gabe Vincent, because, man, I mean, I, I, we, we've been waxing lyrical about him for, for weeks now. Um, we the, the biggest compliment I can give, give Gabe Vincent is he's made us not miss Cole Lowry. Um, and that's, that's an astonishing thing to say. Uh, have you seen a rise like this before in, in your you know days of, of watching the Miami Heat? Because I know I've only followed this team for six years, but I can't see or I can't remember anything like this before where we've seen the guy who was basically a garbage minutes player taking an important role into leading us into the conference finals. Um, what do you make of this rise? Yeah, the last time they were in the conference finals against Boston, he was sitting on the sideline. I don't think he was eligible to play because he was at a two-way contract on the t- at the time. Like, that kind of speaks to the rise that you're talking about. Like, going from that, saying at the beginning of the season, Heat fans generally, the, the take on this team, the weakness of this team was backup point guard. They were saying, give Vincent a fine third-string point guard, but they really need to find somebody to fill that backup one. Not only has Gabe Vincent stepped into that role, but he's became the starting point guard on a playoff team or on a conference finals team. So it does speak to uh, what he's done, I guess, as, as a – rising player but I think what makes him special is he doesn't try to if if a Kyle Lowry is out he doesn't try to become Kyle Lowry he just be he's just Gabe Vincent and he just gets them into their sets uh he he just they kind of alter it a little bit because they don't use him in the same exact way they put him more off the ball like uh, Kyle kind of takes control he's gotten a lot better in pick and roll dissection in terms of just feeding the roller lobbing it up getting to the mid-range pull-up he's done a ton there's even times where they always speak about Kyle's impact on Gabe. He gets into this spin around jumper in the lane that looks really similar, like where he gets somebody on his hip and he does that little turnaround. That's a Kyle element that I think they're adding in practice when he's just in his year. So I think that's the stuff that's important. Like he's grown a ton this season, but just to see him do it at this stage, he isn't afraid. Like I know that's another cliche statement that's always thrown out there, but he really isn't like, he's not afraid to get thrown out there and take shots and, kind of be that X factor in a lot of ways. And Tyler said it yesterday that, that Gabe and Max are kind of their X factors uh, at this time. And I think it's true. Like the, they're the two, two ways from last season are in the starting lineup. They're going to need Gabe uh, to be himself. But like I said before, they're going to need him 
in the Kyle Lowry sense for Kyle's going to be in his ear to make certain passes to kind of change the dynamic, I guess, of their offense to begin the series. Yeah. He's, um, it's just been sensational. And I, I, I always, you always feel really proud when you see one of your guys that have come from nothing to make yourself an important player. And it's mainly just, and it's not down to, oh, you've just filled in. It's you've, you've been a fundamental part of the success of this team. Um, so really, really happy for him. Um, and yeah, as I said, all down to his own graft. And uh, again, the Miami Heat culture and the Miami Heat de- uh, pr- uh, player development. Um, massive, massive congratulations to him. I hope he continues to finish the season strongly. Brady, um, before we let you go with uh, with a prediction, I just want to run this past you there. Obviously now four teams left with the Heat, the Celtics, the Mavericks and the Warriors. The Heat are listed at this moment as the third favourites in that. Only the Mavericks behind them in the odds to win this whole thing. The Celtics are above us as a two to one. The Heat are a four to one. The uh, Warriors are favourites to win this pretty much at even money at the moment. Do you think that that's a fair reflection? As this team, what they've done, how deep they go without much really a superstar to their name, quote unquote superstar to their name. Um, do you think that that is about right? Or do you think, again, they might look at that and go, that's disrespectful? I don't think it's outrageous. I think in terms of, I think Boston and them should be about even because Miami's a one seed. Like, yes, Boston got hot down the stretch of the season. They won big games. They played good teams. But Miami got here too, and they've done the pretty much the same thing in terms of these, this Celtics and Heat team are pretty identical in a lot of ways in terms of the defense. They're choppy offensive half quarter times, but they also can go crazy from three uh, when they need to. I wouldn't say that's crazy because it, I think it's Dallas being four, Warriors being one is pretty much the the spot you would expect. Uh, but two and three, you could probably fluctuate. Uh, I wouldn't be crazy to think those odds. The reason I say that Boston being in front of Miami is weird is because I'm of the thought that this is going seven. Yep. And I just can't see Boston, especially after going seven against Milwaukee and going through that absolute battle over that stretch of games to go into Miami in a 3-3 series and beat them. Like, that's just kind of where I stand. So I think this is a long-term series where they're going to go back and forth. But I think it's a win for Miami if this thing is going seven because it's going to be hard to beat them on their own floor. Yep, definitely. And I am with you with the odds. The fact that the top three are separated by, I mean, the the outsider there is the heat at four to one shows you how tight this is. So it's not outrageous. I'm sort of exactly sort of on parallel with you there that you would probably put Warriors and, and Mavericks where they are and there's some argument here about where you would put the two the second and third favourite here between Boston and Miami especially with home court advantage in Miami so you've sort of already given it away there but I'm assuming saying that you're going to go with uh, this is going to maybe be a seven game series I'm assuming you're backing your boys with the Heat through in seven yeah I, I think this is a Heat in seven series like I said to that point I, it's going to be hard. Like, this isn't going to be, I don't think, as well, one of these 2-0, 2-2, 3-2, 3 Like, I think it's it's a 1-1. It's a 2-2. Yeah. Like, it's going to go back and forth because these teams are going to be making adjustments on the fly. And I think that's what makes this series more uh, – just much more different than a Milwaukee series because, as we know with Bud, is that he doesn't make adjustments like that. Like, he's <laughs> going to play his game plan. He doesn't care if Grant Williams gets up to 33 threes open uh, standstill threes, he's going to keep his same game plan. That's not Boston, and that is not Miami. Uh, so other than the home floor thing, other than being, I think, tired in a lot of ways by game seven against Miami, we know what happens in game sevens, and you look away from players, you look to coaching. Yeah, Eric Spolster in a game seven with the experience he has, 
like that's where I'm kind of leading. Like that's, that's the way I'm leading. I'm looking at Eric Spolstra. I, could, I just know what he can do on that type of, uh, in that way that it's just going to be hard to beat this E team. We've seen how good they've been at home. They still haven't lost at home up to this point that home court advantage is going to be really important. I think people are going to talk about it more in terms of the Warriors having home court advantage over them because they lost that magic game, uh, which by the way, let me just say that is just total hindsight. Like I am not going to be one of those people <laughs> to say that because if, if they played their guys and Jimmy Butler twisted his ankle coming down on a layup, we would not be having this conversation. We would be having the conversation that they're having about Doc Rivers who played Joel and B at the end of that Raptors game. Like we cannot have that hindsight conversation. But other than that, the home court advantage is going to be very important, I think, in the Caesar Conference Finals. So that's why I'm saying in seven. Yeah, I totally agree. It's um, it, I saw that today, and that, obviously it only flashed through my mind when I saw that the fact that the Heat, have, uh, the Warriors do have that tiebreaker if it does go that way down with uh, with both teams getting into the finals. And my sort of thought was, no oh, man, that sucks. But then I looked down the tunnel and people were actually starting to lose it over the fact <laughs> that we lost that Magic game. And it's exactly that. How can you be that short if, if Like you just said, it took one injury there. And we probably, you know, we'd be lucky to get through the first round. You just can't, you cannot think like that. So it was always amusing. Heat Twitter never fails to amuse me, but it was great. Um, right, I'm, I'm with you, Brady. I think that, look, first and foremost, well, game one has to be a win. This team have rested. The, the Celtics have just come off of a game seven with a day's rest and now get to Miami, get the coaching in place, get some schemes going and try and beat this team on, on our home court where we have not lost all playoffs. So game one is huge, but I, I'm with you. I think this is going to be a bloodbath. I think it's going to go the distance um, to very well well-coached teams with elite mentality that are defensively minded. Um, yeah, wow. It's not going to be maybe the prettiest, but it is going to be a contest every single game. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you, Heat in seven. Brady, absolute pleasure to talk to you. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. For anybody that doesn't know, where can they find you? Yeah, thank you for having me on again. Uh, at Bradyhawk305 on Twitter, uh, and then 5reasonsports.com for articles, uh, or five on the floor. Uh, for a heat podcast as well, along with this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know I speak for everybody this side of the pond, but I'm sure I speak for everybody at Heat Twitter. Um, we're, um, we're all very proud of what you do, man. It's been, uh, it's been a great rise. It's been done through hard work and, and great knowledge and the willing to learn. And um, yeah, you're, you're inspirational to a lot of people as so you keep doing what you do. Well done. Thank you. Really appreciate that. No problem at all. Right, guys, we will be back next week with another show, of course. But hopefully by then, we'll be talking about a nice Miami Heat leader as we go into the Eastern Conference Finals. Take it easy, guys. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.